Hi, Shannon. Welcome to Keeping It Real with the MA. Um, we would just like for you to start by introducing yourself, if you don't mind. Of course. Um, first of all, I do want to say thank you guys. Um, I'm really honored that you guys have uh, reached out and asked me to do this podcast. This is actually my only ever second podcast, and so I really appreciate it. But uh, introduce myself. So um, Shannon Dunfield, uh, my home community is Kelly Lake. I actually live in Grand Prairie. Um, my home is a small Indigenous community about 45 minutes west of Grand Prairie that was settled back in the late 1800s by uh, Cree, Beaver, Mohawk and Métis people. And um, I have a very proud lineage. Uh, on my mom's side, I am a Gladue and Whitford. On my dad's side, I'm a Belcourt Negotiate. And uh, yeah, I grew up at home, grew up on the land. Um, I lived with my Kokum and my Mushum for, I think, the first nine years of my life. And then um, moved back with my parents. And I'm the oldest of four. Um, my parents, um, my dad is actually uh, very involved in uh, the Métis world on the BC side. Uh, he just, um, I think it was back in September where the Métis Nation of BC um, named Kelly Lake as a chartered Métis community. So he's really proud of his work in that and proud of my dad with that. Uh, my mom teaches Cree in um, Hythe Elementary School. And um, yeah, I'm a mom of two amazing kids. Uh, my daughter is very involved with the MNA Provisional Youth Council, Toshoni. Uh, she just, um, she just, or well, actually she graduated in the fall with her Bachelor of Environmental Science degree, and she's now working in her field. Uh, my son, Dakota, is a first-year college student and um, volleyball player. He plays volleyball for as of, I believe, March 8th, will now be the Northwestern Polytechnic Wolves, <laughs> formerly the Grand Prairie Regional College Wolves. Uh, they did a, they're doing a rebrand. So, and my husband um, is an educator and he currently is a principal of an outreach program here in Grand Prairie. That's amazing. Your whole family is so involved with so many incredible things. Um, could you tell us what uh, is your favorite or most celebrated part of Métis culture? I think for me, a big part of it is I grew up like both my grandparents, um, like my cook was made was a very traditional made hides and did beadwork. And I have a lot of her um, things that she made for me, um, very cherished things. And my grandma, my cook has been gone now since 2002. And my, my mushroom as well, too. Like, he was very involved. I remember, you know, growing up and he would play the spoons and my cookum would jig and, you know, my, um, and, you know, same thing. My, my mushroom left us in, uh, 1999. So it's been a while since they've been gone. Um, but for me, I think the cultural aspect is about the connections in the family, you know, kind of like today, you know, finding out, hey, we're related. <laughs> That's the most um, important piece for me is that relationship and those kinship ties that we have. And as Métis people, we have them right across our country. And sometimes we don't even know it until we sit down and have have that conversation. And, you know, how there's always that, oh, who's your family? And as soon as we find out who your family is, then we're related. Could you also tell us how growing up in a small northern community impacted your journey? 
Growing up in my community, we have a very uh, strong community, very connected community that was very much, um, you know, it was ingrained in us from the beginning about getting our education. Um, Many of our community members, uh, you know, have gone on to college and university, work in government, work in industry, work in healthcare and education. And so really proud of, of that, that was instilled within us. Uh, And it wasn't always easy. Like, I mean, growing up, you never really thought of yourself as being poor, (laughs) but you know, when I think uh, many of us, you know, do some of those team building things where they like, Oh, stand up if you didn't have this or sit down if you didn't have that. And I was like, I think there was a point uh, in my early 20s where I was like, oh, I guess I was poor compared to others, but I never thought of it that way because we always had that sense of community and always that community connection where, um, you know, I could go anywhere in my community and be safe or, you know, that if you did something wrong, you're going to get a spanking from your, (laughs) or licking from your cookum or from your cookum sisters. You know, there's been many times where I was told to go find my own neepsy because of something that I did. And, you know, but it that's just how we grew up. Right. So uh, I always tell my kids, because one of the reasons why we moved back to Grand Prairie back in 2004 was because we wanted to provide our kids more opportunities for sports and other things. And and I grew up I played uh, volleyball and basketball in high school. But I always tell them about how there was times I would be sitting in like a local um restaurant in in beaver lodge which is a small town waiting for my dad until he got off work until sometimes nine ten o'clock at night because i didn't have a ride home you know and of course the buses left way before practice was done so i'd be sitting there i you know get ready in the morning and wouldn't get home till 10 o'clock at night because those were our realities right and and if we wanted to um play in any kind of sports or anything that's what we had to do and we did it but like I said, the big part of it was our community and our people that um, helped each other. And there was times where I'd be able to get rides from other family members or I would have my cousin pick me up. You know, it just depended on the time. But, you know, our, our my kids nowadays are my kids were very that was one of the things I wanted to make sure our ki- my kids had was that opportunity to um, play in sports and not have to worry about stuff like that. I think that's so important for our our listeners who live in the you know rural rural communities to hear you know that just because you know you are far away and you might not have uh, as many resources available in you know within a certain distance that it doesn't hinder you at all like there are still so many countless opportunities for you that you can achieve all these great and wonderful things with your life if you really want to uh, I think that's great. Um, so obviously I, I've met Toshoni a multitude of times, um, and we can see how important your family is to you. Uh, how has your role of being a mother guided you? I think, um, it was kind of the same things that my, you know, my cookum and my mom and my aunties and my, my other grandmothers instilled in me is that, you know, you have to instill that in your kids and I, I remember like right from the time they were young, getting them involved in the community, getting them doing things with the community was always really important, you know, getting them involved with like the Friendship Center or Métis Local. Um, even I think uh, I think Tashoni was 16 when she got involved with um, with our Métis Local. And you guys know our elder Angie Creer. And, you know, when Angie says to you, my girl, I need your help you you help (laughs) you 
have no choice. And, and that's, you know, that's how my kids got involved. And I think um, being a mother and looking at um, what I wanted to do for my kids, I think about my master's when I did my master's, the opening was about my family and how important it was for me to do my master's, not just for myself, but for my family, for my kids, because I wanted them to see that even at the age that I did my master's, that you could be successful no matter what, what you decide to do. And when I did my master's, I did it. um, I did it in the dojang. I did it in the gym. I did it in the arena because that's where my kids were. And I always had my books with me and everything else. And, and I think as a mother, that's kind of the role that we play is instilling those um, attributes in your own children, but also the pride in, in who you are as, um, as, you know, as a Métis youth, as a Métis mom, as a, as a, in anything that you do. And, and I'm very grateful that, um, you know, I had my, my mom and my cookums and to be able to help me do that. That's awesome. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because you brought it up, but you went back to school for your master's degree after you started your family. What made you decide to to go ahead and further your education? Uh, at the time when I did it, it was more for me. It was because I felt I needed to, um, I felt like I needed to do something for me that made me feel pride in my accomplishments. And so when I decided to go back and do my master's, it was a friend of mine who actually um, uh, pointed out to me, she was doing hers and it was a, it's a master's of arts in leadership through Royal Roads University. And the program itself was actually pretty amazing because in all honesty, the only way you can fail is if you fail yourself. They, set it, the program up for you to be successful. And the only time, like I said, if you fail, it's because you fail yourself. It's because you don't believe in yourself enough to be able to do it. And I believe, I can't remember, I think off the top of my head, there was 45, 45 of us that started and there was uh, 44 of us that completed. So there was only one person that that didn't finish. And, and, you, and I knew right away that they weren't going to finish because they were they were not at a place where that was the right time for them. But yeah, doing my master's. Um, when did I finish my master's? I finished my master's when I was 40. <laughs> so I was, so that's something that I'm really proud of too, because that was the other piece is like, I want to get my master's by the time I'm 40. So I did. So great for all, all our listeners to, to just, you know, it's never too late. You, you know, you have all this time. You have your whole life to go to school, explore, travel, uh, work, you know, you have all this time. So don't ever feel like, you know, it's too late for you or that you missed out on an opportunity because you have so much time and we, we can tell just from listening to you. Yeah, I know a lot of youth that don't want to make decisions about their careers because they're scared they're going to make the wrong one. And I have a cousin that literally like goes to a job and after a day she doesn't like it. She's like, yeah, no, I'm out. Like the same for me. Like, bye. She's like, I'm not wasting my time. So that's awesome. (laughs) Well, and I think that's I think that's really important, too. Right. Is, you know, um, Tashoni knew exactly what she wanted to do from grade 11. And we supported that. Koda, not so much. He's trying to decide what he wants to do. And we support that too, because I would rather, I shouldn't say that 
his his goal is volleyball. He wants to play volleyball at the college. So that's his career right now. <laughs> and and, and yeah. we support that, right? And and I think it's about recognizing that each person is at a certain um, pace in their journey and not trying to push them to do something that you expect them to do, but but support them in doing what they want to do. And accepting that sometimes they don't know what they want to do. You just have to support that. Do you have any uh, future plans to continue any more education? Well, it's funny you ask because I'm actually considering doing an MBA. Um, there's a program right now uh, that um, I was going to mix up. GPRC or Northwestern Polytechnic has with UNBC uh, doing uh, an MBA. Um, so I'm kind of sitting on it. I actually have to apply by March 15th. And um, it's a 21 month program. Um, you go, you do most of it online, but you do in person classes here in Grand Prairie uh, once a month. So I'm sitting on it, thinking about it, knowing me, I'll probably apply at the last minute, but still deciding on that. But I just think an MBA would be really cool. Um, just, uh, you know, when you when you think about marketability it's such a good opportunity to to do something like that and um being here at home um is easy is definitely easier i know when i when i did my masters i had to do two two week residencies in victoria not that victoria was hard but being away from my family was hard right so um yeah so i'm considering my mba we'll see what i like about that too is that you know it's open that you can do it in whatever suits you best, whether it's like, okay, there's options available for you if you are better in person and, and you have the sense of your classmates and somebody in front of you teaching you, or you have distance learning um, and you can always work it around your schedule. So if you are a parent, if you do have to work full time, there is so many opportunities for you to still continue your education, which is great. Okay, so we wanted to ask you um, about your volunteerism and why it's so important. You currently work with Alberta Health Services and you hold many volunteer positions. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I've come to realize probably in the last year or so that, you know, when you talk about work-life balance and you talk about how, you know, what do you do to, um, to maintain your sanity. I think I volunteer to maintain my sanity because <laughs> I do volunteer a lot. Uh, so locally, um, I'm the co-chair for Grand Prairie Aboriginal Circle of Services. Uh, this is a, it's been around since ooh, 2009. And uh, actually, I think I've been on there for about 10 years now, maybe 10 or 11 years. And and it's basically just uh, bringing together uh, organizations and community members that work directly with our Indigenous people. So I've been doing that for a while. Um, I sit as the vice president of our Métis local. And like I said before, that was because when you have Elder Angie Creer say, my girl, I need your help, you you help. So I've been doing that since 2017, I believe. Um, and then um, I currently sit as the chair of the Indigenous Sport Council of Alberta. Uh, I've been involved with them since... 2016 on the board and then became the chair in 2018. Um, and, you know, we've, um, it's definitely grown and I'm really excited to see what's happening with our organization right now, especially because one of the main reasons why I joined was because of, I didn't see a whole lot of um, connection with our kids in the North. And I really wanted to have that be part of it. And um, 
and then uh, that's provincially and then uh, provincially as well um last july i was named to the senate uh of the university of alberta so i said uh, i said as a senator which is actually really cool i even have a pin that says senator shannon dunfield <laughs> So that's been an interesting role, and um, I sit on a couple of committees with that one through the, the U of A. Uh, and then um, at the national level, I sit um, as part of uh, uh, one of our member organizations for the Aboriginal Sports Circle. I sit on, I think it's four different working groups um, at the national level, the Canada Sport Policy Working Group, the Standing Committee, Standing Working Group on Indigenous Sport Policy or Indigenous Indigenous Sport Strategy. I think that's the name of it. The Domestic Franchise Holder Working Group, and another one. I can't remember what it is. I'd have to go back and look. And then um, at internationally, I sit as the president of the North American Indigenous Games Council. So this one um, is new. October 2020. I was. Uh, um, I was asked to run and uh, became the first Métis president, which at the time I didn't realize it until I got a call from Windspeaker asking for an interview. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I am the first Métis president. (laughs) So, um, you know, just very, really grateful for and honored and humbled by the opportunities that have been provided to me and just um, by being involved and, you know, by volunteering and by supporting as much as possible and, you know, I've I've done some other things over the years, like just to support our youth. And um, I'm just really grateful for being able to do that. That's awesome. When you said 2009, I went, oh, that was just a couple of years ago. <laughs> With some of our listeners, uh, some of our youth, we're born in 2009. So. Yeah, you just aged me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wow, I did not realize that You're that like was. 29. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you are the first Métis president of the North American Indigenous Games. Like you just said, what does that mean to you? I'm just, like I said, I'm just really humbled uh, by the opportunity to um, sit as the president and, and be able to support the work that's happening yeah. uh, internationally. Um, it's been you know, a, a big learning curve for sure, uh, because, you know, the North American Indigenous Games is both um, Canada and the U.S. And but it's such a it's it's so cool. Like uh, we have such an amazing group of of, uh, you know, members that sit at the table. And I'm just really blessed to be able to work with so many people across Turtle Island. I'm I'm super excited about that. And um you know, and then, and then of course, you know, you get to, you get to uh, participate in all these different kinds of meetings and meet a whole bunch of new people. And, um, you know, at the federal and provincial and federal levels, like it's just, I, I can't even say enough about it. I'm just really humbled by, by it for sure. It's a, it's a great honor to, to have. And then to be able to interview so that all of our great youth who are listening, who are, you know, curious about the North American Indigenous game can get a little bit of insight so could you tell us a little bit about the games and what what's included and what just tell us about it okay i will do my best um so the north american indigenous games is uh international competition which brings together uh indigenous youth from both canada and the u.s Uh, we i believe i'm just trying to think off the top of my head there's 14 different sports um 
there's uh, 13 regions within Canada. So it's all of our provincial provincial and uh, territorial sport bodies. And then there's 13 regions within the U.S. that that have the opportunity to participate. We generally get anywhere between um, 4,500 and 6,000 participants, both athletes, chaperones, um, coaches, mission staff that attend. Um, unfortunately, due to COVID, we had to postpone the 2020 games. Um, so the last games were 2017 in Toronto. The next games uh, were postponed to next summer in Halifax, uh, or um, sorry, Chibuktuk, which is the which is the name of Halifax in their Indigenous language. Um, and so we're really excited about that. Uh, we have, we're just currently working on, um, um, you know, what that looks like in terms, you know, of COVID as well. So, but the fact that we have 14 sports, we get athletes anywhere from 12 to 19 years of age that get to participate. Uh, we have, um you know, there's always times where there's different sports that are going to be introduced. And I think our newest one that will be introduced will be beach volleyball. So we're really excited about that. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the games. It's such an amazing opportunity for our youth. Uh, and like I said, one of my biggest reasons for joining um, Indigenous Sport Council of Alberta, because um, I... Uh, there wasn't a lot of kids from the north, and I remember in 2014 when I when when my daughter wasn't first involved, um, I probably count on my both hands how many kids were from the north, and and then in 2017 we had 80 athletes, coaches, and chaperones that flew out of Grand Prairie for 2017, and it was the largest contingent of Métis athletes that participated. Because that was one thing, too, is that we didn't have a lot of Métis athletes participating. And that was another goal of mine was to increase the number of our urban Indigenous population and our Métis population. So there's 14 sports. So what sports are included? Is it like a mixture of like summer and winter? No, it's all summer. So let me just think off the top of my head. I'll try my best. Um, we have baseball, basketball, volleyball, wrestling, canoe, kayak, swimming, athletics, archery, Ball, so that's like um, fast pitch, and um, oh, um, rifle shooting, and there's some that I'm missing. I got ten, but there's fourteen altogether. But you know what I didn't mention, and I feel horrible because this is a huge part of the games. It's the cultural component. The cultural component of the games is phenomenal. Like it is absolutely amazing to see and have the opportunity to participate in the different cultures of the areas that we go to, right? So when I was in 2014, we had it was in Regina. So the culture there was amazing and the athletes village um, and the cultural village was right at the First Nations University. In 2017 in Toronto, there was two two different areas it was in, but it was so amazing to be part of that. And so I'm pretty excited to be part of, um, you know, to see what they do in, in Chibuktuk when we go in 2023. That's awesome, Shannon. Thanks for sharing all that information with us. Um, we wanted to just ask, um, how can Métis youth get involved? What would you recommend? So, um, like to go, get involved in the games? Yeah. So, um, what I would say is follow the Indigenous Sport Council of Alberta Facebook page. Um, there will be uh, stuff coming up here probably in the next couple of months around, um, you know, 
how to do tryouts and everything else for the different sports that we're taking. And all of that will be on our ISCA Facebook page. Um, those announcements will happen there for sure. That's awesome uh, that there's so many opportunities for for Indigenous youth to play these sports. And you said it was for 12 to 19? Yeah, so some of our so some of our um, some of our sports are U fourteen, um, and then the then U fourteen, U sixteen, U nineteen. Okay, that makes sense. That makes yeah. total sense. Uh, that's awesome. I'm really glad that we have these opportunities for our youth to play sports because I know growing up, I mean, I didn't I played ringette, so I didn't play a sport that like lacked opportunities. Um, but I also like I'm from Port McMurray too, so I did lack some opportunities being up north um, that I could have. But you know, I got to grow up playing that sport, and it's my goal and my dream that you know I get to see that sport rec- like played more in terms of like the national level, um, just because I I love that that one. Um, you have done so many incredible and awesome things throughout your career. Like you've listed so many amazing things and you are still so young, right? Like I just think that our youth, they're just going to be like, wow, I can accomplish so much in my life, just like Shannon did. Aww, what were you. some of your favorite, like what are your favorite experiences been? My favorite experiences? Um... I guess it, I guess it depends on how you want to answer. Like for me, um, you know, I'm incredibly um, fortunate to have the husband that I have who has helped me grow into be grow to be where I am today. Um, you know, we're we're laughing because we've been together 26 years, and and it's it's kind of flew by. Uh, very, you know, my kids. My kids um, are the world to me and, um, you know, and my nieces and my nephews, like just so proud of them and everything that they've accomplished. And, um, you know, I I guess it really comes down to like for all of us, when we talk about who we are as Métis people is our families, right? That's, that's the most important piece to me is our families and our connection to our families and our community. And when I think about my experiences, I think about how, you know, um, how grateful I am to have grown up in my community to um, have the strong, resilient uh, elders and, and aunties and cookums and, you know, grandfathers that have helped me be where I am today. So I think when I think about my experiences, that would probably be the ones more than anything is just about my family. I'm like the same way with family like um you know how like you have such a big family you're all just like so close you know it's just not just immediate it just seems like a big community Mm -hmm. no and and that's it right and I mean our families are the most important pieces of who we are and and when we get to stay connected to them to them that's the most important yeah thank you um so with everything that you do with your work with your volunteer with being a family what do you like to do for fun? How do you relax? I read a lot. I read a lot. And and it's not like I don't read self-help books or anything like that. I read I read books like sci-fi fantasy and and things like that. My my husband and my kids bought me a a Kindle a, a, 2 years ago and 
that thing is well used because <laughs> it's so nice to just pick up stories. And but I still love um, books. I have uh, I probably have you know three or four hundred books in my little library that I can't part with because I just love them. Right, and I'll go back and I'll read like a series again and again and again and. And some books that I've had for probably 25 years that I've kept. Actually, no, I lied. I actually have a book that I that I, ha- I have had since I was probably nine from our library in Kelly Lake. And, you know, just books like that that um, that I keep and, and treasure because I read a lot. And for me, the other thing, and that may not be fun for some, but that's just, that's what I do. That's what I love to do is read. That's so refreshing to hear because I feel like whenever we ask somebody, you know, what they do for fun or to like relax, it's like, oh, I, you know, like just regular self-care. Like I paint my nails or I I go for a massage or, you know, I just listen to my music. But reading, it is. I never, you know, I read all the time uh, as like a young teenager. Um, and as I got older, I just stopped reading. But with our book club, I've been I've been joining to to read the books along with our youth. And I'm like, oh man, I do still mm-hmm. like reading. I just, I'm just into different types of books now than I was. I, you know, Twilight was probably the first book that I read. From like Twilight the back. series. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the book that, you know, started it. So it's very much into like the vampires and everything. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, oh, romance. Yeah. My, I have a whole, I have a whole, different genres of books that I read like you it you can't pinpoint it because I just love it if I get into the story that's it right like I probably have like like a whole bunch of like Fern Michaels and Nora Roberts and Joanna Lindsay but then I have like um Terry Brooks and Sarah J Maas and you know just a bunch of different um Diana Gabaldon like I have so many different kinds of books like friends ask me can I borrow your books I'm like no yeah, no. I'm really cheap with my books. I don't lend them out because they better not come back wrecked. I don't yeah. lend them out. I'm really bad that way. Like, I feel bad, but I'll be like, no, no, you can't touch my books. Uh, if you want to sit here and read them, you go right ahead, but you're not taking yeah. them out of my house. Yeah, no, I, uh, one of my favorite books um, was made into a movie and my brother really liked the movie and he, he knew that I loved the book. And so he's like, can I read it? And I was like, you can't touch it. <laughs> Go buy your own. <laughs> you cannot touch my book. No, <laughs> no. And then I found out that he did, in fact, read my book, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love we love family. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you have any advice for our Métis youth who are planning for their future? Follow your heart, right? Because I mean, sometimes our heads get in the way of what we should really be doing. So I would say, follow your heart. And, you know, I, like I said earlier before, um, you know, and, and find that support system that's going to help you do that. Cause it's not always gonna, you know, fall in line with what others think you should be doing, but definitely follow your heart and follow and, and have that support system. That's gonna, that's gonna be there when, you know, you need them the most and, and help you make decisions or, or help you help you figure out what you want to do. Because it's not always easy. It's not. That is great advice. You hear that? Youth, you, uh, all you youth out there, you just got to follow your hearts. And, you know, <laughs> you're going to live a great life like Shannon here. Because, you know, you're all just so strong and powerful. And you're just going to make all the changes and you can accomplish anything that you want. And it's important to remember that. So thank you, Shannon. 
Well, and I, I think the other thing I would say too, for those of our youth that do, um, that do participate in ceremony, continue doing ceremony because that's been a real help. That's been a huge guiding light for me over the years. Like I said, when I was asked to run in the provincial election, I went to ceremony. When I, when I was asked to run in, you know, for city council, I went to ceremony. Um, everything I do, I, I, I make sure I go to ceremony just to help make sure that that's the right decision I'm going to make. And, and, and like, I know not a lot of our youth do follow that, but if you do, then, then do so. Well, thank you, Shannon, for being a part of Keeping It Real with the MA. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure getting being able to interview you and have this conversation with you. So thank you. No, I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for having me. I was like, I remember, who did I ask? I was like, they want me to be part of this youth thing. I'm old. Why? Why me? <laughs> you should get youth. Get more youth. <laughs> You probably do, but <laughs> the way you talk, I just love your voice. Like I don't know, this whole time, like it's just so soothing to me. It is. It is. <laughs> oh well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keeping It Real podcast with the MA Youth Team. And thank you to Shannon. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, Alberta Metis Fest is happening once again, and this time in person. It will be on June 24th to 26th. Join us from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. on Metis Crossing on June 25th. There is something for the entire family to enjoy. We can't wait to see you and celebrate together. <laughs>